Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, and today we're talking training camp with week one of practices completed out in Ashburn. Now we're moving into week two. It is July 31st, start of a brand new week. Now we're going to see more things moving into week two than we did in week one. Usually, what I want you guys to understand as well, when we're watching 7-on-7s, 9-on-9s, 11-on-11s, first week of camp, we did not see any pads. The pads we put on soon. That provides a whole new look. Who's soft? Who isn't? Offense, defense, special teams provide a different glimpse into this entire roster. And the defense always, no matter what level you're at, is always more adept to what they are doing functionally, fundamentally, structurally, at every single level. Defensive line, linebackers, that second level, and all the way back to the secondary corners, and of course your safety group are more adept and just more evolved quickly than what offenses do, right? You look at Sam Howell in this offense, second year in the league, second straight offense that he's learning. Brand new philosophy under Eric Bieniemy. Now, a lot of the RPO concepts that we've talked about in this pod from what he did in Chapel Hill at North Carolina are going to be similar to him, but this is not North Carolina. This is not the ACC. This is the NFL, and this is Sam Howell's first full off season learning the brand new language. Again, the architecture, the reads, the progressions, the protection calls. A lot of those protection calls are going to be on Nick Gates up front, Ricky Stromberg up front, whoever lines at center. But for Sam Howell's perspective in this offense, there are going to be ups and downs. Today's practice, Monday morning, has been a rough day. I know over the weekend, the offense didn't look too great. Don't go too crazy over a couple practices in training camp. Again, the defense progresses much faster and it's easier to set a defense and allow guys to fly around with the hair on fire than it is on offense. There's so much more that goes into what the offense is doing with a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, putting new guys in position to succeed, whether it's talking about new guys at running back and Chris Rodriguez, what you want to see from the tight ends group. Of course, you brought in... Byron Pringle last week from Kansas City, who's been getting reps as that wide receiver five, wide receiver six, Dax Milne still on the roster, Marcus Kemp, Kaz Allen, 
All these guys are trying to get opportunities in these periods, whether they're working with the ones, the twos, the threes with Jake Fromm or the twos with Jacoby Brissett. So don't go full scorched earth and have your pitchforks ready because the offense is going to take time. There are going to be speed bumps. There are going to be a lot of great moments this year. A lot of great moments. And there'll be some times where this offense clicks and they're scoring upwards of 30, 35 points. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if there's multiple games this year where Washington teases with 40 points. Because they have the talent to do so. But this is not a case where I want to look at Washington and say they are a spreadsheet team. Because I do believe that they will execute. And it starts in camp and it's trying out things. It's seeing what people do well in new spots. We know what Terry, Jahan, Curtis are going to bring to this offense. But it's putting Sam Howell in certain situations. Whether he's inside the pocket. Whether they're moving the launch point, which they did this morning on a uh, sprint out pass to Terry McLaurin. In, in early 11 on 11 work, those are little things that you're seeing that Eric Bieniemy is doing for this offense to get Sam Howell comfortable. And he's only going to get more comfortable with more reps. But we are talking last week. I want to go into certain storylines from last week. I know in the prior pods, I la- last week, so July 24th, if you missed the pod, I talked about a few guys, about four or five guys that I was looking forward to seeing at training camp and how they were going to perform in this first week. How are they going to show up after time off. And now we got some storylines to talk about from, again, this first week of camp, already moving into week two. Preseason is right down the road. We have football this week, ladies and gentlemen, August 3rd. Jets and Browns. So we got preseason football to look forward to this week. But bottom line, starting off, I want to talk about Sam Howell. And that is with his rhythm. And I mentioned it just a little bit ago at the top of this episode but just what he has been able to do early in work, not what you're seeing from a production standpoint, because everybody wants to have the results. Everybody wants to look at the stats and the box score. For you fantasy guys out there, you want to see him accrue points both with his arm and with his legs. We know he's got the weapons to do so, but early on in camp in the seven-on-seven and full team periods, seeing his comfortability, his leadership, confidence, and really just the overall skill set And you look around social media and you're seeing from a lot of the beat guys out there that are just acting like they've never seen Sam Howell play before. And what I want you guys to understand is when you watch Sam Howell at North Carolina, there's a skill set there that translates to the NFL. And I know he slipped, if you will, to the fifth round for a reason in NFL eyes. But you have to microscope the kid's ability from college, what he offers, And projecting that to three, four years down the road to the NFL. And now we are in year two of that projection period. But really, his evaluation is still incomplete considering his playing time last year. And now this year, we're going to get an excellent example of what he could be in this offense. You look at his arm strength. You look at his ability outside of structure. You look at his ability to tuck and run. And not just when things break down, if he has to escape outside the pocket, he's a pass-first quarterback. He's not getting his eyes down towards grass. He's keeping his eyes up towards the second and third level to where if he has to stop his feet and uncork a 30-yard dart, he can do that. If he has to make a throw at a 3 o'clock arm angle to Terry McLaurin sitting his feet on the outside hash, he can do that too. And we've seen that early in training camp. And that confidence, the ability to do so, the ability to say, hey, I did this in college 
Now I'm doing it against one of the better defenses in football, which the Commanders will have this year. When I line up against the Cardinals in week one, and then the Broncos in week two, now we'll, we'll get into all those teams and preview those teams, but specifically with Arizona to where they have the worst roster in all of football. And, you know, I, I talk about from a roster perspective as far as just it's just names on a depth chart, but from an execution standpoint, I don't expect Arizona, nor should you, nor does anybody, expect them to really surprise anybody this year. Week one could provide a stepping stool for Stan, for Sam Howell, excuse me, to really understand the type of talent that he could be in this league. Now, I'm not asking him to be a top 5, 10 quarterback in football. But if he can be somebody that is a game manager, that can stretch the field both north-south, so vertically, and east-west, and keep defenses honest, especially at the second level with his legs, the talent around him will do the work for him. Now, everything correlates with the quarterback position, but when you have a talent like Sam, who I believe in, you guys know I have confidence in, and I believe he can succeed in the NFL and in this offense specifically with what Eric Bieniemy is going to do. There's excitement there. And from week one of camp, what we saw, I'm excited moving into these next couple weeks, these next practices, to where he's going to get more and more and more reps. It's only going to help him moving forward. Next, Emmanuel Forbes. Played inside out last week at camp. So at the slot, on the outside, had his first pick. That's not a surprise. But what I like about Emmanuel Forbes, and I wasn't out in Ashburn last week, so a lot of the clips from individuals in the building that I talked to, the biggest thing with Emmanuel is his coverage ability in man at whatever depth that you ask him to play and whatever the amount of length that he's covering with. So if it's two seconds and you know it's a a short third and three and he's covering a slant, like we saw him pick off Terry McLaurin and jump the route, or you're asking him to cover three, four, five seconds downfield and stick with a guy down the third of the, bo- the third of the boundary on a four-yard go route with Terry McLaurin's hip. He can do that too. And I think there's a stigma that needs to be looked at with Emmanuel Forbes and guys that are just these ball hawks, the Trayvon Diggs, the Xavier Howards, the Marcus Peters of the world. What are they doing when they're not picking off passes? Are they a liability in coverage? Do you have to just throw them in zone and ask them to work downhill and try to make plays? Or can you actually put them in man? And they still have that ball production, the ball skills to make plays on the football and stay with their man in coverage. They draft Emmanuel Forbes in the first round to potentially be a guy that can shut down a third of the side of the field. When you look at his ball production in the SEC at Mississippi State, there are going to be quarterbacks in this league that Yes, they're going to test him, but they're also going to know that this kid has ball skills and this kid is going to take the ball away if you give him a chance. Not just as a corner to where the ball's coming right at him and he pulls a Carlos Rogers and it goes right to his, his shoulder pads and hits the ground. I know you guys remember the old days of Carlos Rogers where if he, if he actually caught the ball, this guy would lead the league in picks years and years and years ago. Manuel Forbes got good hands, but he can also make a play above the rim like a wide receiver. So if he's just in a position, there's a damn good chance that Emmanuel Forbes is going to make a, uh, a play on the football. So his first few days of camp was good. Didn't hear a lot about Quan Martin. Didn't hear a ton about Cody Barton at the middle. You saw some in 11-11, 7-on-7 work. But again, there's, there's just not too much you're going to see from a defensive perspective for what, in my opinion, before the pads come on. And I want to see guys pop. I want to see Cody Barton meet Brian Robinson in the hole. I want to see Cody Barton have to cover a tight end in space. That's what I want to see in training camps. When we get these pads on, specifically from a defensive perspective, even with Emmanuel Forbes tackling guys in the perimeter, in press, how physical is he against 
Atari McLaurin? Does the Twitch translate immediately? The speed of the game. Look, I get it. SEC, heck of an athlete, but it's a different transition from a speed perspective from the SEC to the NFL. And he's going to take his speed bumps because he's going to face a great group of receivers early on in the year. Now, Arizona doesn't have a ton of good wideouts, but again, we will get into all these teams. But you look at Denver, you look at Buffalo, and of course the teams in the division in Dallas, Philadelphia, and New York, specifically in Philly and Dallas, they got some guys on the outside. And he's going to be tested early, but welcome to the NFL. First round pick, he's going to have a lot of flash plays this year, but there are going to be some speed bumps at times for Manuel Forbes. But first week of camp, I loved his ability to play both inside and and out. Show that versatility. The more spots you can play, the more reps and snaps you're going to get on the field. And we know that Emmanuel Forbes is going to be a major piece for this defense, both in 2023 and in the years to come. Next, I want to talk about the RBs. I'm really excited for this running back group. I've talked a lot about Antonio Gibson and him flexing out in space this year. But the first week of camp, we saw Brian Robinson and his hands look like they have improved. Now, There was also, I mentioned a stigma about Emmanuel Forbes and playmaking corners, but there's also a stigma with a guy like Brian Robinson to where you think these bulky 215-pound-plus running backs are these in-between-the-tackle thumpers to where they can't create outside the tackle shoulder or they can't create in space, whether it's a little rail or wheel route or it's a quick little arrow route out of the backfield. Now, no one is going to ask Brian Robinson to be a route runner out of the backfield. I want Brian Robinson to be my RB1, hand him off the ball, allow him to make his reads, make his cuts, and attack people in the alley. That's Brian Robinson. But if he's able to add a wrinkle to his game with his hands in space, you're forcing defenses, you have to win matchups, and you're forcing players on the defensive side of the ball to, again, cover every blade of grass. East-West, and north-south. Because you're already preparing for the names on the outside. And you're also accounting for Sam Howell's legs. Oh, and there's Logan Thomas coming over the middle. Oh, well, if they want to run some pony personnel, and now we got Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson on the field. It's not just Antonio running out for a route. It's now Brian Robinson. He gets it in space, and he's got a one-on-one with a corner. Well, look back to the Atlanta game last year and see how that turned out for the Atlanta corner. Getting run over at the five-yard line. You know? That's the type of guy he could be in space. So athletes in space is the name of the game. And seeing him work early with Eric Bieniemy getting these guys in space and just evolving their skill sets is really, really nice to see considering how static Washington's offense at time got last year. Next, I want to hop over to the defensive side of the ball and this five-man front that Washington deployed a lot in the first week of camp with Chase Young, Montez Sweat as your bookends, and then you got your beef in the middle with Deron Payne, John Allen, and Phil Mathis, with obviously John Ridgway as that rotational guy if he had to be a sixth, if Phil Mathis, Deron, or John were to miss any amount of snaps. That five-man front, we've seen it a lot. I've talked about it a lot on here, that bear front that Green Bay likes to run with Rashawn Gary and, and our old friend Preston Smith standing up on the outside. That is a hell of a group. That five-man group, what the hell do you do? If you're an offensive line and you see that front five on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage, because it's really a case of pick your poison. There is talent everywhere. And when, if you, if you have five guys all coming after the passer, you could do some exotic things. You could drop a guy in coverage. You could bring a linebacker instead of sweat or young, 
You can do a lot of different things. But five on five, you only got five linemen. Last time I checked, there's five linemen, right? One-on-one matchups. I'm going to take a really good bet. I'm going to put some good money that one of those guys will win their one-on-one matchup. I don't care if it's the Eagles line. I don't care if it's the Arizona line. Good luck defending that five-man front that we're going to see this year. Because also what that five-man front tells me is that there is more confidence in both the second level with a new addition like Cody Barton and Khalid Hudson, who's going to get more snaps at the second level, but more so on the outside of the secondary to where you can put guys in man and not be scared that someone's going to give up a 35-yard bomb. Because that's the issue that we've had over the last few years. We've played a lot of zone because we haven't had the guys on the outside to be able to cover for extended periods of time. But if you're able to cover in man on the outside and send five or potentially six after the quarterback with those names, it's going to be a long day for offenses. Now, it's not going to be a consistent five-man front. This is just a, a unique little wrinkle that Jack Del Rio threw out in the first week of camp to that front five to Sam Howell. But holy smokes, that, that's a group that any offense in football is going to be, have to be prepared for. That, that is a, a star-studded, athletic, physical group of dudes from Montez, the opposite side of Chase, and your guys in the middle, specifically with Duran and John, that play like all pros and have played like all pros, really, for these last two or three seasons. Good luck to opposing offenses when Washington lines with that look here in the start of the regular season. Now, I want to I talk about the receivers a little bit, and I'm going to get to Deami Brown, who I've been extremely excited about, but mainly Kaz Allen. And I mentioned this kid as a UDFA out of UCLA, legit 4-3 speed, field flipper as far as special teams. I'm really excited for the preseason to start because every single year, it seems like there is a preseason darling at the receiver position for Washington. I know you guys remember Rashad Ross. I know you guys remember Brandon Banks. We've seen flashes when Dax Milne was standing out in preseason. We've seen, I know you guys remember Donald Parham. He was it wasn't he was that tight end receiver, big boy type of mold with the Chargers. Now has had some success with Justin Herbert. But seemingly every year, away from your wide receiver one, two, three in this offense, there's a guy that stands out in the preseason. And Kaz Allen in the first week of camp and his versatility, a lot like what Curtis Samuel offers for this offense, but Curtis isn't going to return punts. Neither is Terry. And Jahan did a little bit of Penn State, but if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm just not putting Jahan Dotson back to return punts. Unless it's some drastic scenario where you need something special to happen and maybe you put Terry back there if you had to. Because you got to win football games, you got to do whatever you got to do. But if it's the second quarter and you're up 10 against the Denver Broncos, you know, you're not putting back a 17 or a number one back there. But you will put back a guy like Kaz Allen. Not saying that he's just, oh, we're going to throw him out to the fire. He's someone that has legit vision, footwork, and special teams experience in the Pac-12 and the Power 5 Conference to where he's returned kicks for touchdowns. He's returned punts for touchdowns. All of that stuff. And then you can throw him in on offense and be a motion piece and be that Weapon X that we've seen like Curtis Samuel be. Shallow areas, designated touches, stretch the field vertically. We've seen a little bit of that early in camp. And 
Look, I just want to see this kid in pads, and I want to see him in the preseason. We won't see him a ton with the ones. We won't see him a ton. I don't expect with Jacoby Brissett being, you know, bring out the twos and Kaz Allen's there. But who knows? If he keeps showing out in camp, you work your way up a depth chart and you get opportunities. But we're probably going to see him a lot with that late twos, the, the threes when Jake Fromm comes in the preseason and starts to work. Guys that are on the roster bubble. That's what Kaz Allen is. Wasn't drafted, but is a UDFA. But there are diamonds in the rough every single year. Last couple years, Lance McCutcheon from Montana State went to the Rams. Absolutely was dominant in preseason. Went to the regular season and had a heck of a role for that Rams offense. And has for the last couple years. Now, that's the type of guy that Kaz Allen could be. Versatility reigns supreme. It is king in the NFL. You can't just be a guy that statically aligns on the outside and just does one thing for an offense. And if you're not elite at it, there were reasons that Kaz Allen went undrafted, but it's about fitting your player to your scheme and finding guys of what you want to do schematically will fit, will jigsaw. Not asking a certain skill set to change into what you want to do. You are you can adjust to the player, but if that player fits, like you saw them bring in Byron Pringle this week. He's had some success already in practices. Why? He understands the enemy's offense, understands soft spots and zone where defenses aren't going to be. Defenses tend, it's a copycat league. They, do, they run a lot, of, a lot of the unique stuff, same things, but usually those same soft spots. Byron Pringle knows the offense. He knows where those soft spots are going to be. He's getting an opportunity right now in camp. And Kaz Allen's going to get that opportunity too. So again, that's a name to watch. Is Kazmir Allen, receiver from UCLA. As we get the pads on, we get start popping a little bit, and we especially move into the preseason. And those games, he's going to have a great opportunity to showcase himself both on offense and on special teams. So now I want to talk about Deami Brown because holy hell, did he have a hell of a week. And it really is great to see because I came on here last week and I said, Deami Brown, Kid has got to show up. Has to show up. Year three already. But Sam Howell is now his guy under center. Where are we going to see that connection from Chapel Hill transfer to Washington? I don't think we'll ever get back to that connection that he saw because bottom line, look, Demi Brown is not wide receiver one, two, or three in this offense, and he won't be. He can dominate every single day of practice. He just won't move into any of those top three spots from a depth chart perspective on this offense. But he is battling his tail off to be wide receiver four. And you can never have enough guys that understand how to separate. Never. You guys have heard me say that many times on this pod. Guys that can separate on the outside can never have enough of them. Because someone goes down, slide one guy in. Understands the offense, understands leverage, understands footwork, understands how to run the full route tree, make plays after the catch. But away from the Tennessee game last year, we just haven't seen anything from Deami Brown. Limited opportunities, limited targets, limited snaps. I understand all of that. But the little things, blocking on the outside, special teams versatility, haven't seen it that much, a willingness to do so. But the connection with Sam Howell was absolutely apparent in week one. And it's not just an offense with McLaurin and Dotson. If you can have three, four, potentially five guys that you can go to 
at any time to keep guys fresh. You want to run some unique sets. You want to have trips. You want to run a lot of stacks. You want to run a lot of bunches. You're seeing, you'll see a lot of that in this B enemy offense where you're running bunches and people, like from a, a defensive perspective, you got guys stacked on the outside and those switch releases, if you don't communicate, could be game over over the top with the speed that Washington has on this offense. You're going to see a lot of that from this group this year. But I've just been extremely impressed and happy with the evolution of Deami Brown's game because I'm not just going to say it's just a connection with Sam Howell. Sure, there's a relationship there. They understand their tendencies. Deami knows when Sam Howell's going to come over the top. Sam knows when Deami's going to snap off a route. How he's going to snap off a route. Little twerks to his game, to his body. Head movements. Feet movements on certain routes to when he's going to break off. Little things like that. So hopefully this relationship continues to improve. This connection, this correlation continues to evolve as we move closer to the regular season because it's great to see because Deami Brown is absolutely a guy that has to step up moving into year three because he was not, he wasn't a day one pick, but he wasn't a day three pick either. He's a day two pick. Washington's made additions. You guys know that at the receiver position since he's come in, right? Drafted Jahan in the first round, Curtis Samuel, paid handsomely in free agency, took him over from Carolina. But there's also guys behind him now that are pushing him. And competition, it only makes people better. So for him showing up in week one, it was great to see. And then the final thing I want to talk about today is Ron Rivera. And it is the energy and confidence that he has exuded in press conferences post-practice last week. And if you guys were out in Ashburn, hats off to you. I know it was a hot week, sweltering out there. Heat was burning down. You know, welcome to summer, right? But just the fans were, were everywhere. It was just a revitalization almost of this franchise because of how football hungry this city is. It's a sports-driven city in Washington. And to see you guys out there this past week, if you were able to make it out to Ashburn, again, I wasn't out there this week, but I do plan on getting down to training camp this summer. Just really nice to see. Because the last few years, really since the excitement of RG3, a decade ago, we haven't seen it at all. And all it takes, brand new owner, brand new atmosphere of this football team. You can see it with Ron Rivera. His energy, he just looked healthy, smiling at the podium, how he was answering questions, everything. There's just a different vibe about this football team right now. Players enjoying going out to practice in the facility. Vibing with the fans, vibing out at practice, gelling with each other within the hashes. Because at the end of the day, we could have 500,000 fans show up for training camp. But if you don't win football games, not going to show up. There's always a rebirth every single year. There's a distant hope for a lot of teams of a Super Bowl win every single year. You could say Washington is in that bucket for this year. But everyone's just excited about the potential because everyone's Zero and zero right now, right? But you just look at this football team right now as an organizational where they are. It's just a really nice breath of fresh air because football is back and we're focusing on it. But the elephant in the room is gone. That dark cloud is now sunshine, blue skies. Kevin Durant out at practice. Now, not going to go into Kevin Durant spiel because I would love for if he was a Washington Wizard. Guy from PG County, went to Montrose, been around the NBA now for multiple years, just bouncing around teams. Wish he came to the Wizards, but he's not. 
That's a conversation for another time. Not going to talk about my Wizards right now. But he's out of practice. When's the last time we saw him at practice? Those little things. People want to come out. People want to see the team. It's great to see. And really, from Ron Rivera's perspective, it's just an enjoyment of football again. Enjoyment of coaching. And that only translates to practices, meeting rooms, relationships with players, and just a positive environment around the facility that has not been there for a long time. When I was there, facility was, you know, it's what it is. You know, it's just going in every day was from a, from a chemistry perspective, from a morale perspective, from a player's perspective, you know, the energy at times was not there. Has to be there. There has to be a vibe around a team where you could feel it. Teams talk a lot, but hey, look, we can really feel it. I can feel it right now with this Washington Commander squad, this team, this organization, from the top down, that there's a brand new just oxygen into the lungs of this organization that is a humongous step moving forward. So training camp, again, week one completed. Week two kicking off this week. Practice is already wrapped up for Monday, July 31st. Plan on having an episode out for you guys on Monday. Again, as we move closer to the season, we're going to get into two episodes a week planning both. So we're going to have a pregame on Fridays, not Thursdays, Fridays this week, this year, excuse me, previewing each team. So offense, defense, we're going to dive into matchups, not just from a depth chart perspective. We're going to peel the layers back, certain players, certain skill sets, where I think certain teams could take advantage of Washington, what Washington has to work on, what Washington can take advantage of other teams. We're going to really peel back the layers of matchups. You guys that have been with me since last year, you guys understand how we roll with things during the week. And then, of course, recaps of each game on Monday. They play Monday night. We'll play Tuesday. Excuse me, we'll have Tuesday. They play Thursday. We'll have it Friday. You guys get the deal. So, bottom line, guys, always appreciate you guys tuning in. We are about to crack pads starting soon in Ashburn. The pads are coming on. Really get to see this roster come together. Really get to see, again, I mentioned at the top, who is soft? Who isn't? You're in the NFL. There are a lot of people in the NFL that are soft. For me, if I'm Ron Rivera, can't have guys that are soft in my roster. So you get these guys with pads on, you can see a lot. Phil Phil Mathis with pads. Want to see it. Haven't seen him a lot, right? Haven't seen it. Cody Barton, welcome welcome to the linebacking core in Washington. What are you going to be for us? I like his skill set, but first glimpses and pads are going to be huge. Chris Rodriguez, big boy of Kentucky, runs with violence. Can't wait to see him in pads. The tight ends group, in pads. They look good in t-shirt and shorts when contact is limited. How are they going to be in pads when guys are in their face and they got to work off press coverage? Because that's what I've talked about for a long time. Logan Thomas, the, all the tight ends have looked good first week of camp. How are they going to look when pads are on? How are they going to be able to separate? Because that's when we had our issues last year. T-shirt and shorts, they look good, right? They look good. But in the pads, same thing. Chase Young, fully healthy, had an excellent first week of camp, diversifying his pass rush repertoire, working to the inside. Guys can't just say, I'm going to overset Chase Young now and attack that, defend that outside shoulder. I got to work back up in my set. Chase Young, whether he's facing a guy that has short arms but quick feet, long arms, slow feet. What's the difference in your leverage? Are you going to win leverage early with your hands? You're going to bull rush a guy. Are you going to win the outside with flexibility? We know the athleticism that he has to chase guys down in the flat areas of the defense. We're going to see him in pads. We're going to see him full go. Look good again, first week. Can't wait to see these guys in pads. T-shirt and shorts is fine. Shells are fine. The helmets look good. They do. 
I like the unis. Helmets are clean, especially with a lot of the visors these guys got. Whether they got a clear visor, they got the polarized one in the burgundy with the yellow fade. Stuff is clean. I get it. But pads are huge. Pads are huge. So that's what we're going to get into these next couple weeks, especially this week. So again, as always, appreciate you guys tuning in. If you enjoyed, please please leave a like, review, share, subscribe. Always appreciate you guys reaching out on social media. We're on Spotify, Ron Apple Podcast. If you don't follow me on Twitter already, I am at underscore Ryan Fowler. Again, I'll have an episode out for you guys planning next Monday. See how I feel this week. May get into our two a week. We'll start it kicking off towards the later portions, portions, excuse me, of training camp and into the preseason. We really get diving into this roster and seeing who's going to show up, who's going to make the final 53, who's going to be in the practice squad. And especially as we get into real football with the preseason into the regular season, looking at this roster, different positional battles. Again, who's going to make it? Who's not? A lot of the faces that are in camp right now just aren't going to be here in the next couple weeks. Just the bottom line. Guys are going to get opportunity in the preseason. We don't kick off preseason for a couple more weeks. But some guys are going to be here, some guys aren't. And that's what the battles we're going to get into and peel back the layers for here on Commanding the Huddle. So always appreciate you guys' time. I will talk to you soon. Hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. I am Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.